Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money, as you know, is about stock and bond investing, health insurance, retirement planning, understanding your 401k, estate planning and insurance. Talk Money is everything financial. We welcome you to the program. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topics of expertise. This week... As you know, the stock market has experienced a move to quality. We've seen some expected, or maybe more importantly, unexpected volatility. Geopolitical risk remain elevated. We see that. North Korea, Barcelona, even the concerns in the U.S. are all on our mind. We can't help but read the news or listen to the news. These events, of course, disrupt the markets, but tend to have, uh, I'd say, a limited long-term effect. We continue to experience political turmoil in Washington, D.C. I tell you, it's kind of like uh, every day, every something, something's happening. But I want you to remember, keep your politics out of your investments. Here's something to remember. Did you know 48 million Americans are at least age 65? That's today, representing 15% of our 326 million citizens in the United States of America. This number, that is the age 65 seniors, so those people that are turning age 65, is projected to increase, listen, this is important, 4,700 per day for the next 18 years. Well, these facts come from Social Security Administration, so the question is, will Social Security be around when you need it? Well, today's program, my guest, Kurt Zornowski, president and founder of Zornowski Consultant, a frequent guest and respected expert on Social Security. Kurt will be answering that question, will Social Security be around when you need it? That's important. And he's going to tell us some things that's happened with Social Security, some changes that have been taking place, and you need to know about them. In the second half of the program, Chris Abair of Shoemaker Financial will, be, will help you stay focused on your financial strategy and not get sidetracked. How to avoid those financial missteps. How to not listen to the media. So stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money, and we'll be right back after this. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. 
Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. Man, last night we put on an epic light show. So epic. The crowd loved us. Wait, there are only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? Their eyes lit up brighter than ours, and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. And we're going to be out here rocking out our light show at a forest near you. So come check us out. Check us out. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious. And if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Chris Abair are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. We appreciate Mac and Matt and all the guys at the Bailey Law Firm for supporting the radio program and being a part. Well, as I told you earlier, we were thinking about this huge number of people. It's amazing that 4,700 people a day between now and the next 18 years are going to be turning 65. 15%, 15%, 320 of our 326 million citizens today, that's 48 million are already 65. So the question is, will Social Security be here to help you? Well, our frequent guest and very good friend and a guy who does a phenomenal job for us when it comes to Social Security is Mr. Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consultant. Consulting, and he is one of those guys that just loaded to bear when it comes to Social Security information. So welcome, sir, to the program. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Great to be back. Good morning, sir. You know, I I guess I am concerned with a question that I kind of want to ask you right off before we get into some of the things that have changed with Social Security and Medicare for 2017 is the question came in and said, I'm married. I have two kids. I'm age 35. And the question was, will Social Security be there for me when I turn 65? What's your answer? Great question. But and I think the answer is absolutely yes. But I think it's equally important to remind the tweeter, caller, emailer, whoever, that Social Security is there for them today. You know, on our show, most of the time we're talking about retirement benefits, Jim, but it's important for listeners to remember Social Security also has important disability protection for workers and their families and survivor insurance protection for workers and their families. And the fact is about 3 million kids under the age of 18 who get a Social Security payment every month. Uh, because their parent has passed away or has become disabled or, in some cases, has retired. So I always like to remind folks that, uh, yeah, I think it'll be there for them in the future. I'll talk about that in a second. But it's important to remind them that because of the survivor benefit protection, like life insurance, you know, Social Security provides that measure of protection that a lot of people overlook. You know, and, and everybody hopes they enter the workforce and have that long, slow, steady employment 
climb and have a comfortable retirement, but sometimes stuff happens, premature death or disability. And in situations like that, Social Security is a foundation of income that people can count on. So I'd like to remind the, the, the emailer, it's it's there for you today. Well, that's what a, about the future of the program? Well, that's the question. The future of the yep, program, yep. what's changed, too? I want to know that. Sure. And I always like to answer this question by referring to Mark Twain, who once said, reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. And I think the same can be tr- uh, said of Social Security. You know, each year, Social Security's Board of Trustees which is the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of the Treasury, the Commissioner of Social Security, and then two members of the public issue a financial report on the health of the system. In that report, they attempt to not only lay out the current situation, but attempt to project 75 years into the future. The 2017 report came out just about a month ago. And in that report, trustees project that as currently constituted, Assuming no changes to the program whatsoever, the Social Security program stands ready, willing, and able to pay 100% of promised benefits each and every month through the year 2034. And then the report also goes on to say, which a lot of people tend to overlook, that at that point going forward, it's not like Social Security will have no money whatsoever, and that's an important point, but Social Security beginning in the year 2035 would only have money sufficient to cover about 77% of the benefits that have been promised. But that's an important point, I think, particularly for younger workers who hear this talk about Social Security going bust, Social Security going bankrupt, and they mistakenly think, well, that means there's not going to be any money there whatsoever. It's important to remind folks, Social Security's primary source of income is payroll tax dollars paid by employers, employees, and people who are self-employed. So as long as the United States economy is functioning in some fashion, there's always going to be a revenue stream for Social Security down the road. And the question is, though, looking forward, is that revenue stream thought to be enough to cover 100% of the benefits that have been promised? And 2017 trustees report basically says, yeah, absent any type of changes beginning in the year 2035, it won't be enough. But again, it will be enough to cover 77% of the benefits that have been promised. So to put in context the issue confronting Congress and the American public about the future of the Social Security program is not how you close a 100% funding gap by tomorrow. No, it's how over the next 17 years or so you devise some solutions that will close that 23% funding gap going forward so the Social Security will continue to be able to pay 100% of the benefits that have been promised. So yes. There's an issue confronting the future of the program, but I prefer to think of it as a challenge more than just a crisis. It's not a program that's in any type of immediate crisis, requires some level of statesmanship uh, in the part of Congress to get together and figure out how we can close that uh, 23% gap over the course of the next few years or so. But it'll never be at the point where there's nothing there, and and I do think at some point Congress will get around to dealing with the issue. You know, Kurt, I was getting gas this morning coming in and getting prepared for the show, and it's amazing that you say that because one of the the attendant came out, and we were talking, he said, hey, what you talking about on the show today? And I told him, and, you know, and uh, he said, well, I like that, you know, guy, and he's really good and everything. And then he said, well, you know, Social Security is going to run out, and he was giving me his his uh, thoughts about that. And he made the comment, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, 
But it was kind of interesting when the, the rank and file, here's a guy that probably doesn't spend an enormous amount of time thinking about Social Security, but he said, I think Congress is going to have to decide to make some tweaks to it and do some changes, and it'll work out. So what you're saying is kind of an understanding by a lot of people, but they're waiting to see, will that happen? And you're saying... Sure. You know, and, and this is not rocket science. You know, Social Security, if you think about it, peel back the, the layers of the onion a little bit. It's basically money coming in, it's money going out. Payroll taxes coming in, benefit payments going out. And the issue confronting Social Security, if you think about it, isn't all too different from perhaps your own situation at home. If at the end of the month you don't have enough money to cover all of your bills, well, you either got to do one or two things. You either got to bring more money in or you need to pay a little bit less out. And that's the same deal with Social Security. You close that 23% funding gap Simply by bringing more money in, well, who are you impacting? Well, younger folks, employers. You close that 23% gap solely by limiting benefits. Who are you impacting? Well, old folks like me. So I think in the end, you're going to see a blend, if you will, some reasonable increases on the income side, perhaps lifting the statutory taxable maximum a little bit coupled with some reasonable slowdowns on the outflow side, perhaps raising full retirement age a little bit, but there are many, many things that can be done. But it's really, it's important for listeners to know, there is no magic bullet out there, you know, and any type of solution is going to be hurting someone somehow. And it's, I think Congress will come up with that blend of changes to, to try and have everyone feel like they're giving equally at the office. And, a little bit of income increase, a few slowdowns in the outflow side. But again, it's important to note it's not a 100% funding gap. The anticipated revenue stream thought to cover about 77%. So you're coming up with 23% over the next few years. And the sooner the Congress deals with the issue, the less onerous any changes have to be. And they should be dealing with the issue now, but I don't see that happening, unfortunately. Yeah, let me just uh, let's go to the, some of the changes, because I get questions about the changes and how did it affect me. In 2016, there were some numbers that were, let's talk about Social Security and Medicare taxes, and kind of give us the difference between what, you know, the hospitalization, what, what were some of the changes that you saw that we need to be sensitive to and understand, as far as sure, Medicare? And, and it's important to remind folks that uh, you, you Sometimes hear this broad umbrella of Social Security, and, and you're paying Social Security tax of 7.65% if you're an employee matched by your employer, and you're self-employed, you have the privilege of paying the combined rate. But that tax that you're paying actually has two components to it. 6.2% of the payroll tax used to fund the Social Security cash benefit programs, retirement, survivor, and disability program, and then 1.45% Medicare tax that someone pays helps fund part of the Medicare program. So with Medicare, Medicare eligibility is age 65. With Medicare, there's different parts. Part A is hospital insurance, meaning if you have Medicare Part A and you're admitted to the hospital, you're going to pay a deductible upon your admission. And in 2017, you're going to pay $1,316, which is your deductible for that hospital admission. But after that, because you have Medicare Part A, Medicare pays for the remainder of your inpatient hospital stay. With Medicare Part A, there are no monthly premiums 
that anyone has to pay, you get that Part A coverage at age 65 because you have worked and paid into the Medicare system or your spouse has worked and paid into the Medicare system. And that $1,316 deductible I mentioned, that's up a little bit. 2016, it was $1,288, up to $1,316. With Medicare, there's also Part B of Medicare, which is basically medical insurance, helps cover non-inpatient doctor's visits, outpatient clinics, x-rays, things like that. Now, with Part B of Medicare, you want it, you enroll in the program, you are going to be paying a monthly premium for it. And 2017, the base premium that people pay, $134 a month. And that premium may be higher for certain higher income Medicare beneficiaries, but the base premium, $134 a month, which is an increase over the 2016 base premium of $121.80 per month. The important thing with Part B of Medicare, if you have a monthly Social Security payment, then your Part B premium is going to be automatically deducted from your monthly Social Security payment. If you are not yet collecting benefits, you're going to be billed quarterly for the Part B premium. And it's important to note, Medicare eligibility is 65. We talked in the show, Jim, full retirement age for Social Security is 66, and a lot of people defer even past full retirement age. So it's possible for folks to enroll in the Medicare program at 65 before they've started to collect monthly Social Security payments. And as I said, you signed up for Medicare but not yet collecting payments. You take Part B, you're going to be billed on a quarterly basis for that $134 a month monthly premium. You know, Kurt, you you share so much information. we got to take a break. But I just remind everybody, if you, Kurt, when he talks about things, he's referring to the same things like, you know, maximum age of 66. If you'd like to listen to some previous programs that Kurt has been on, just go out to the iTunes store and search Shoemaker Financial and look for Zornowski. And that's an easy name to pronounce and a hard one to spell. But it's Z C Z A R N O W S K I. Kurt Zarnowski, and, you know, just listen to those programs. We've had guys call, Kurt, after you've done a program and said, man, that was so important, and so I, I got so much. Can you help me? Where do I go find more? And I've just sent them right on to the iTunes stores and say, hey, go in there and look and just listen to Kurt. Kurt's a wealth of knowledge. You're listening to Talk Money. We're talking about 4,700 people a day for the next 18 years are going to be turning 65. Well, is Social Security going to be around? Kurt said yes. He's talked about Medicare, Medicaid. When he comes back, we're going to find out a little bit about what is the need when you look at Social Security credits. Earnings needed to secure one Social Security credit. You need to find that out. So stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. I'll be back right after this. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securing Financial Services is affiliated with Kurt Zornowski or Zornowski Consulting. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Hi, this is George Bryant, General Manager of The Voice FM 107.9 and AM 990 with a special announcement. 
If you're an expert in your field, if you represent an organization, if you think you can help Memphis become a better place by sharing your life experience on family, environment, health, relationships, government, home improvement, raising pets, whatever your passion is, give me a call. If you've ever wanted to have your own radio show or podcast, now is the time. We have immediate openings, so call me today. You can be the host of your own show, a show that you own. Talk to Memphis on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My number is 901-261-4200, extension 228. That's 261-4200, extension 228. You're listening to Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Our guest, Kurt Zarnowski, president and founder of Zarnowski Consultant. And as you know, you've been a faithful listener to the program. He is the expert when it comes to Social Security and what's going on in the market as far as what happens with Social Security. And, Kurt, prior to the break, we were talking about all the changes, some of the changes that you were talking about, but really is would a person be around? And, you know, would Social Security be around when, it, when they retire? Well, here's the second question, though. A lot of people find out that what does it take? What do I need to secure one Social Security credit? Because that's really kind of been a little bit of discrepancy. Some people have said, well, i got to work a full quarter, uh, full 90 days, uh, you know, in one quarter. I can't work two or four or five days. I've got to work a full. So how about giving us that real definition of what is it earnings needed to secure one Social Security credit, a quarter credit? Sure. So just a bit of history when the program started. So the question has to do with, all right, so you're working a job covered under the Social Security program, you're paying Social Security tax. How much or how long do you need to work under the program in order to qualify for benefits down the road, in order to, if you will, vest in the Social Security program? When the program started back in 1935, they talked about earning what were called quarters of coverage. And you needed to work during an actual calendar quarter of the year, January, February, March, April, May, June, et cetera. And if you made at least $50 during that three-month period, you earned one Social Security quarter of coverage. You could earn a maximum of four quarters of coverage during the year because there are four quarters in the year. You didn't have to earn four. But you needed to work during a separate calendar quarter to get that quarter of coverage. And requirement was to qualify for Social Security retirement benefits, you needed to accumulate 40, 40 Social Security quarters of coverage. Well, 1978, Congress changed the system, moved away from this calendar-driven quarters of coverage to what you had properly referred to, Jim, as credits. And now to vest in the Social Security program, you need to earn a certain number of Social Security credits. Now, you had quarters of coverage in the bank, they're still good, but credits are earned not based on when you work, but based on the dollar amount of earnings you have in a job covered under Social Security. 1978, the first year of the credit system, you get one credit for each $250 that you had in earnings subject to Social Security tax. Now, because you could still earn a maximum of four credits for a calendar year, it meant you had earnings of $1,000 or more, then you would have accumulated your 
four Social Security credits for that calendar year. Now, the amount of money required to earn a credit has increased over time. And in 2017, you're going to earn one Social Security credit for each $1,300 that you make. Now, because you still can't earn more than four credits per year, but it still means in 2017 you have earnings of $5,200 or more, then you're going to have earned your maximum of four credits for the year. And that's up from last year's figure, which was $1,260. But if you think about it, it now makes it a lot easier for folks to get coverage and protection under the Social Security program because under the old quarters of coverage, you needed to work throughout the entire year to get those four quarters of coverage. But with credits, you know, you could work for one day, make $5,200 in that day, and you've earned your maximum of four credits a year. So Social Security credits, you still need 40 to qualify for a retirement benefit. Now, for survivor and disability benefits that we referenced earlier in the show, you get Social Security benefits with fewer credits than that based on how old someone is when they pass away or become disabled. But for the retirement program, it's still that requirement of 40 credits, which if you think about it, is the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system. Does it have to be 10 consecutive years? No. Do you have to earn four credits in a year? No, you can't earn more than four. But once you've cobbled together 40, you're good to go and you're going to know that you're always going to be eligible to receive a Social Security retirement payment of some sort when the time comes. So 40 credits is what you need. That's a great, great answer, and that's what a lot of people need to keep in mind. And it has changed, and I think that's the confusion. Here's the last question that we've got time for. I'm 64 years old, been married 24 years to one individual, was divorced about seven years ago, have remarried recently, and I am, as I said, 64, thinking about retirement. I know I was eligible for my retirement with my former husband. Am I eligible still, even though I've remarried? And do I have to make a choice between my former husband or if my if I'm married today to my current husband when I retire, which one can I get? Which sure, retirement can I get? I get that question a lot about divorced spousal benefits. And for Social Security divorced spousal benefits, a couple of requirements have to be there. First, the marriage needs to have lasted at least 10 years prior to the divorce, and I'll assume that was the case here. But the second most important requirement for somebody to collect as a divorced spouse is that they cannot be married. So the emailer, because she has remarried, is no longer eligible to collect based on her first husband's work record. Now. That's the downside. The good news is, now that she's remarried, assuming that marriage has been in place for at least a year, she's now gained eligibility on her second husband. But to collect as a divorced spouse, you cannot be married. Now, a lot of confusion out there about, well, if I remarry after age 60, doesn't it mean that that marriage is like it never occurred? Well, for survivor benefits, that's correct. But for divorced spousal benefits, while the ex is still alive, you cannot be married to claim benefits as a divorced spouse. So the answer, no, unfortunately, no longer eligible on first husband as long as that second marriage remains intact. You know, I guess, Kurt, if in this particular case, if she were to re-divorce the second husband, and we don't believe that would be the, the right thing to do, but if that were to ca- take place— then would she have the choice, as long as she's married 10 years, to either one of these guys, let's say to both of them, 
can she choose, or is it always the last one? What's the what's the idea there? No, nope. and basically, the, she will have the option of collecting on one account or the other, whichever one is higher, probably the one she's going to opt for. She's not going to collect both benefit payments at once, but yeah, one or the other, whichever one is higher. Folks at Social Security will run the numbers and help her understand which one pays her higher, and that's what she can collect on. Incidentally, as a divorced spouse, just like any other regular spousal payment, as a divorced spouse, she'd be eligible to collect 50% of the ex's full retirement age amount or her own one or the other, whichever one is higher. So in this case, say the second marriage ends in divorce, she's going to have shot at one of three options, her own or 50% of husband number one or 50% of husband number two. Collect on one account, whichever one's higher. She's not going to collect on all three at once. Well, that's again. Uh, I mean, that's that's explaining something that a lot of times can pe- people can get very confused and sometimes make the wrong decision. But you made a statement that the people at Social Security will work you through something like this. You just need to be patient and go through that process to find out which is best for you. Kurt, you always tell us that. Hey, guy, as always, man. You know, it's uh, again time flies when Kurt Zarnowski's on the phone. And he does a great job for us. You spend the time, Kurt, in giving us very good answers to very tough questions. And we thank you, sir. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, Pleasure, Jim. And uh, I'll talk to you again in November. All right, guy. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Yes, sir. You too. Uh Well, again, you're listening to Talk Money. And I am Jim Shoemaker. And you're listening, of course, to KWAM 990, FM 107.9, the voice radio, of course, radio here in Memphis, the voice talk radio for the Mid-South. Coming up is Chris Abair. And listen, this is important. What are some of the things that you do that are missteps, missteps, not mistakes, missteps when it comes to investing? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. In fact, it's important that you know something about what's happened with the S&P 500 in the last 190 days. Stay with us. Chris Bear is next. Have a question you'd like answered on the program? Email talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. The millionaire Robert Reed Church, Memphis's most prominent business leader and philanthropist at the turn of the last century, was the product of an interracial union between a steamboat captain and an enslaved seamstress. During the Civil War, when he was forced to be a cabin steward on a union steamboat, Church married a former slave named Louisa Ares. After the war, the couple started a number of businesses that became a great source of wealth for the city as the years progressed. But their success did not come easily. During the race riot of 1866, Church was shot in his saloon and left for dead. But he recovered and resolved to remain in Memphis despite the violence. After surviving the yellow fever epidemic, Church used his own money to build the public park and auditorium on Bill Street, the first major urban recreational center in the nation to be owned by an African-American. The auditorium became a center of Memphis civic and cultural life. W.C. Handy was employed there for a time, and it was the site chosen for President Theodore Roosevelt's visit to Memphis in 1902. In 1906, 
Church founded the first African-American-owned bank in Memphis in the 20th century, and during the panic the next year, he avoided a run on his bank by placing bags of money in its windows to demonstrate that he had enough money to pay back his customers. Throughout his years in Memphis, Church was the most active philanthropist in the city. He not only purchased the first bonds issued by the city after it declared bankruptcy, but also saved local church property from being seized when he paid off their creditors. In a marvelous coincidence, Church died in 1912, the same year his former employee, W.C. Handy's hit song, Memphis Blues, was introduced to the world. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money. Awards and club membership are based primarily on commissions, premiums, or fees generated from investment and insurance products and other criteria relative to leadership, achievement, and recruiting. Working with this individual or firm is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investors should conduct their own evaluation. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. You're listening to Talk Money. Awards and club membership are based primarily on commissions, premiums, or fees generated from investment and insurance products and other criteria relative to leadership, achievement, and recruiting. Working with this individual or firm is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investors should conduct their own evaluation. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, with events that's happened in the last couple of weeks, I wanted to invite Chris Hebert to the program to really help us kind of get our head around all the noise that we're hearing and I think that we're going to hear. And uh, if you think about it, in the last 190 days, the S&P 500 has gained 15.9%. Of course, that's since November the 8th, 2016. And President Donald Trump is, of course, going to get some of the credit for that. Eh, probably shouldn't get all the credit for sure. And, of course, when the market starts its tumbling, if it starts its tumbling, whenever it starts its tumbling, he's going to get all the credit for that. Eh, probably shouldn't get all the credit for that either. But here's the problem. I want to help us make sure we're making some thought process through this volatility that we haven't been seeing that maybe we might be seeing at the end of the year. So my guest, Chris Hebert from Shoemaker Financial, he's going to kind of give us some ideas of what to not do, you know, some of those things to avoid, the missteps that we might make. Chris is going to guide us through some ideas of what to avoid. Welcome to the program, Chris. Absolutely. Good morning. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good. Uh, Chris, let's just start with the first thing. I mean, people get caught up in this whole idea of what the media is saying. And, I mean, the media can push a lot of buttons on us. I mean, it uh, 
can get our emotions going sometimes and the thought process. So what would you, if you know, talking to someone, what would be the first thing that you would say to them to, to kind of say, okay, guys, this is a misstep. Don't take it. Absolutely. I mean, following the herd when it comes to your money is very dangerous. I mean, it may be appropriate if we're talking about buying a car, even buying a washing machine. But when it comes to your money, it's it's definitely very dangerous because what's hot today is going to potentially not be hot tomorrow. Uh, and ultimately, when we deal with investments, especially in our industry, the the, the tagline is past performance is, no, is not indicative of future results, right? right. So uh, that's the reality we live in. So just uh, making sure that that we don't have that herd mentality when okay. it comes to our money. All right, herd mentality. And again, so many times people get caught up in that. How would you tell someone to avoid that? How would you say, okay, don't let your don't let yourself all of a sudden look around and say, hey, I am following the herd. What would you tell them? Outside of having an advisor to advise well, you not to. That would to. be the first thing. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, just basically keeping in mind that we have to stay disciplined. You know, there, there, there's always going to be news out there. News will always have something to report. Uh, but just uh, staying disciplined and trying to ignore the news as best possible. Okay. All right. So first of all, following the herd. People get caught up in that. It's so easy to do. You listen to somebody at church, you listen to somebody at some party someplace, and all of a sudden you're thinking about doing, you're saying stick to the rules and stay away from the media. Cut the television off. What's the second thing do you see a lot of people do? I mean, you know, it's you see a lot of this every day in your practice. I know as a managing director of the firm with all the people that's reporting to you, they're coming into your office and say, hey, this is what I heard. So I'm, I'm wanting you to kind of tell us what would you be telling them to make sure they're telling their clients? Well, you know, being an emotional investor, I would say emotionally, uh, over-emotional investor, because uh, we're all emotionally attached to our money, of course, uh, but just... Uh, being too emotional, uh, making sure that, you know, understand that volatility exists. Uh, markets will go up, markets will go down. Um, stay, staying uh, true to the plan, uh, making sure that you see the big picture long term. Um, so understand that volatility does exist. Markets go up, markets go down. Uh, try not to be over emotional uh, because if you are over emotional, you tend to pull back and not take risk. And if you do that, you lose uh, purchasing power. And that could be dangerous long term. That could be dangerous long term. So now let's let's talk about that for a second. If you're If you're thinking with me, Here's the person who you said people are emotionally involved in their money. That's a natural mindset. That's not something it's when does a person know, Chris, that all of a sudden they've let that get out of control? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, we are all emotional. You're right. I mean, you know, you listen to the five o'clock news and the market's down 275 points, 300 points, 500 points, whatever it is. And the reality is you're going, oh, my goodness. But how do you make sure that you don't let that little bit of emotion that goes there get out of control? You know, you start second-guessing yourself. And I think the, the conversations that take place in your head uh, typically is when you know uh, when you're starting to try to deviate from the plan. So I would say basically just uh, understand that volatility exists and make sure we stay disciplined. And, and remember the big picture. You know, uh, the, the, at the end of the day, uh, the big picture is you've, you've intentionally put this money aside for a reason. And knowing that that reason uh, is either two years out, five years out, 10 years out, uh, just making sure that we stick to the picture uh, and the plan. Well, that, that's great advice. I mean, that's, uh, that's solid. If your person is, you know, it's kind of like if you're thinking about really, here's what I'm trying to do. Don't let something like that, my emotions, change what I'm trying to do. I like that idea. Know what your plan is. Know the thought process. All right. We've talked about following the herd. We've talked about getting caught up with the emotions. What else, Chris? I mean, here's the, here's the thing. People, there's so many things going on. Tell me something else. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about it, uh, having a having and maintaining a suitable diversification or allocation model, if you will, and that's just a blend of, uh, of different types of asset classes, uh, having and maintaining that over time and understanding that 
that we definitely need to consider uh, rebalancing every year. And, and this is going to sound contradictory to what, what you may believe or what you would think is logical, but selling the winners and buying the losers. So when we talk about rebalancing, those are things that we have to consider uh, when, we, when we are thinking about long-term investing. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Chris Abear. We're talking about some missteps, just some things that we make that we, we happen. You know, just we get caught up in it, and uh, whether it's following the herd or let our emotions get involved. Now, Chris, you're talking about this this thought of diversification and, and rebalancing. So, if I if I want to change that, what about that person that says, well, I'm a conservative growth investor. 60% of my portfolio is in stocks. 40% is in bonds. But yesterday or day before yesterday or last week or, you know, I feel so nervous. I'm getting my emotions are getting a little out of control. All right. I want to go now to 20% stocks and 80% bonds. Is that something you would say would be wise or how do they manage around that? Well, again, that's going back to being very emotional and, and making uh, short-term decisions uh, that, that will affect long-term results of your portfolio. So, again, it goes back to just understanding that at the end of the day, um, the news will exist. Uh, the media is going to be pushing your emotions one way or the other. And uh, the news news is going to report negative stuff. Um, so it's it's having someone that is going to help you stay disciplined uh, throughout all this process. All right, that it's so clear, so understandable. That what Chris is saying is uh, push your emotions aside and stay disciplined, Chris. That's that's really what you're saying. Don't get caught up in in all the stuff and throw out your plan, your goal. So when we come back, we're going to find out some things about really sticking to the strategy that you've designed. And how you do that, that's that's important. Chris is going to walk us through some very specific things about how to set a goal, how to know your strategy, and how to stick to it, even when it seems everything's going kind of awry, if you might say. So uh, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, of course. You're listening to FM 107.9 at AM 990, The Voice Talk Radio for the Mid-South. We'll be right back after this. sure to like us on Facebook to search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more talk money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. You know, one of the biggest issues you have when you're going through a process of investing, you've got emotions, you've got following the herd, as Chris talked about earlier. My guest, Chris Abair, is a financial advisor. He's also a managing director at Shoemaker Financial. He leads people, and he works with clients, and he does an excellent job. If you'd like to talk to Chris personally, his telephone number is 901-757-5757. He would be more than willing to just uh, sit down with you and guide you through some of these things that he's talking about. Again, we're talking about how to kind of keep you from following the herd, keeping you from getting your emotions 
out of whack. And some basics. I mean, he talked about diversification and rebalancing, things that everybody should do and should always know how to do. Well, Chris, before we took the break, we talked about the strategic thought process, following and sticking to a strategy. Now, I know in your practice and with your people that are working with you, you're talking all the time about making sure that a person really has a strategy. Is that difficult to get people to come to the table and say, here's my strategy, here's what I'm trying to accomplish? Or do you find it to be something sometimes they're really not sure? Yeah, I don't, I don't think clients come to us with an idea of they want to buy stocks or bonds or anything like that. They, they really don't know what they don't know when it comes to investing. What they, what they have in mind are goals out there in the future to, uh, for their money to accomplish uh, for them, whether that be paying for college or uh, retirement or, or something like that. So uh, our job as an advisor is just to make sure we, uh, we don't make it too complicated, just to keep it simple, stupid, if you will. Uh, I hate to use that term, but it, that's just the first thing that came to mind. Um, so when we think about that, it's just understanding the expectations. The client should understand the expectations, and we should understand their expectations of what a, a portfolio is going to do, what your investments are going to do. So understand the risk if you're the client uh, that you're taking in your investments. Uh, and that way, if you understand the risk, you can understand the returns. And you'll know that when news like this comes up and when, when things happen, uh, that there may be some volatility, as we like to call it, or fluctuations in your portfolio. But, uh, again, it's just all about sticking to the strategy, sticking to the plan, because your advisor should be helping you connect the dots as to how you should be invested. Well, when you when you look at that and you think through that process, you talked about earlier, you said short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. Short-term being zero to two years. So if a person's thinking about building a house or, you know, got a kid going to college in two years, they shouldn't be out totally in the stock market is what you're telling them. If they've got a strategy, the stock market going down shouldn't bother that money at all. Okay, so that's a, that's a thought. Midterm, three to eight years, and long term is out there past eight years. And what we've learned, what most people understand, is we're going to have corrections. We're going to have that volatility that we're talking about. But it goes down and it comes back up, and you just have to figure that out. So the eight-year period there is something the person just works around and understands. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if the money is going to be used in the next couple of years, we're going to be very sensitive to any volatility or, or risk that you're taking. So your advisor should be advising you on that, of course. Um, however, it's the 30-year-old that I talked to who's concerned about their 401k when news hits um, that, that's calling me wanting to make adjustments that I just have to kind of bring them back to the table and remind them this is long-term. This is long-term money, and things will happen, and, and there will be pullbacks. All right. You're in a position in the office where you're selecting people to come in to the firm to become an advisor. Reality is, what kind of person are you looking for? This is You've just covered some phenomenal thought process here of what they have to do with the client. What are you looking for? Well, what's our industry has really kind of evolved from an advisor standpoint in terms of, uh, I would imagine, what we're looking for. Uh, at this point in time, I think what really makes a great advisor is someone who can communicate well. And, and what I mean by communicate is not necessarily um, what you may think of. I think of a communicator as somebody that can listen well. And ask great questions. So somebody that has influence, uh, that's ambitious enough to go out and build a practice, because it is a very rewarding, fulfilling career, uh, but it requires a lot of perseverance. Um, at the end of the day, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. The good news is, is we're helping people. Uh, so if, as long as you like to help people and you're a people person, this will all play out very well for you. Um, so it, again, it gets back to communicating, asking good questions, having what we like to call emotional intelligence, um, because it's a co-creative process. This is your money. This is something that you work really hard for. And every dollar that you earn, you have 
the, you have the ability to vote on what's important to you. And my job is if you're intentional about saving that dollar, then we put it in the right places and we, we talk through what you're investing in uh, so that you have good expectations and we're going to meet those expectations. Do you find that there's somebody that is there somebody who's just uniquely equipped to do this? I mean, you have both ladies and men working in your division. Uh, boy, this is a loaded question. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ask it. Uh, do you find, I mean, I do. I, I'm going to just go ahead and admit it. I sometimes see that a, that a female does an excellent job and just being that better listener uh, than some men. Do you find that? Naturally, we're in a relationship-building business, so women do a phenomenal job of building relationships. Uh, uh, it's funny because I'm sure my wife's listening, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think as men, we try to fix everything. So we see the problem immediately. We want to fix it, uh, whereas women are, are better at listening and, and allowing people to really flush out what's driving them emotionally with their money, getting back to what we've been talking about today. Um, so because they do such a great job of listening, they can do a great job of preparing them and creating a strategy for them. You know, that's so well said. So well said. Your last thought? Well, I'll say this. Uh, obviously, um, selfishly speaking, I, we, I love this career. I'm very biased. Uh, and at the end of the day, I love helping people. And if you feel the same way, then this is certainly a rewarding career. Uh, and um, and I'm just happy to be here with you, Jim. Well, you know, Chris, if you if you are interested, if you're listening and you think, well, hey, I wouldn't mind talking to Chris about the career. His telephone number seven five seven five seven five seven. Area code, of course, nine zero one. And if you'd like to talk to him about just literally what he was talking about earlier, not following the herd, having a strategy, making sure that you've done suitable diversification for what your goal says, and not neglecting that idea of rebalancing. Talk to Chris, 901-757-5757. Very good. Excellent job today. Thanks, Chris, for being with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, you've been listening to Talk Money. My guest today, Kurt Zarnowski and Chris Abair. They have done an excellent job. My producer and board operator, Gil Worth. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moscovich. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment is read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. You, of course, have been a great part, and we thank you for being with us today. Jim Shoemaker, Talk Money, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial and Mac Bailey's Law Firm. Thank you for being a part. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Chris Abair are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.